Hey there, and welcome to Watering Seeds, a podcast ministry of Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church in Asheville, North Carolina, where we seek to discuss and apply our most recent sermon in our sermon series through the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, as usual, we would encourage you to listen to our sermons. You can find those on our website, covenantreformed.net slash sermons, or by searching for us on sermonaudio.com by searching Covenant Reformed Asheville. We did talk last time. That word Asheville is very important in that sermon audio search, so just a a reminder. But today, uh, we are putting out a special episode, uh, a discussion, not about a sermon, but about sermons, Uh, and not just uh, sermons we've preached, but uh, some uh, practical advice on how to listen to sermons. Mm -hmm. So uh, no need to go back and listen to a a sermon if you haven't heard some of our sermons. We'd encourage you to do so, of course. Uh, But uh, on this special episode, we're going to be doing more of a nuts and bolts approach. We like to do that every now and then. Yep. Here on Watering Seeds at the beginning. I like to pull back you, the curtain a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today, we want to do some nuts and bolts from the perspective of the congregant. Uh, the privilege I, as an assistant pastor, uh, enjoy a lot of times in the morning, sometimes you in the evening, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, like to sit under the ministry of the Word. So I want to talk uh, about that from that perspective, but also the perspective as a preacher. So just want to let our folks know before we dive into this conversation, this conversation is sort of outlined uh, in accordance uh, with a, a book or a little pamphlet, I guess, um, entitled Listen Up, A Practical Guide to Listening to Sermons by Christopher Ash. A uh, little blurb for the book before we begin. Mm. Uh, just bought a couple of these for the book table. Uh, we will be selling these for a dollar on the book table. Hey, now that's a good deal. But special promo, if you enter... Uh, special promo code. I listened to this episode of Watering Seeds. You can get yours for free, and I mean that. If you are listening to this podcast uh, and you see the book on the book table, just grab it. Um, a lot of it will be familiar if you listen to the podcast, of course. But reading it, uh, I think, may help cement some things in our mind. So, just want our listeners to have a little New Year's gift from us, Love free it. little pamphlet. But let's jump in here, sir. Uh, <clears throat> As always, I'm here with the Reverend Sean McCann. Welcome. Oh, you got to identify that other voice randomly chiming in. Yeah, it kind of feels weird uh, introing this one, if I'm honest, because there's no like, you know, man, myth, preacher. There's no like, hey, tell me about that. We're just jumping into a conversation about sermons. So, um, yeah, so let's uh, let's kind of run through this uh, little book um, by, by Christopher Ash. He gives seven points. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about it. All seven points in six points. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We're going to merge two of them. And so uh, what I'd like to do here is is sort of just mention those points and then have a brief discussion about each. Great. Uh, jumping into some of the practical uh, applications of these uh, these various things. But before we jump in, any opening thoughts from you, sir? Yeah, I appreciate that. I heard somebody <clears throat> say once that um, as preachers, we focus on expository preaching. But there's also a duty of hearers to be expository hearers or expository mm. listeners to mm-hmm. sermons. Um, and I was trying to think of the parallel. You know, you don't, generally speaking, Lord feeds us in his word, right? You don't generally need instruction on how to eat. But sometimes you do, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think... Certainly as a child. <laughs> yeah. And so I think there's a there's a pretty significant effort that needs to go into listening to sermons. Yeah. And I think over the long haul, yeah. the benefit 
of God's word brought in one of this, this primary means of grace to us will only grow exponentially yeah. as we are better and better at yeah. listening to sermons. Which uh, is and, also true. <clears throat> again, we want to kind of talk about this from both perspectives. It's also true about preaching, right? I mean, it's not like once a guy graduates seminary, wham, his preaching ministry is complete, right, in, in terms of how he preaches. Nor should we think that the regular uh, uh, church member um, <clears throat> uh, who, who comes and listens to sermons can get it right away. I mean, I just in my own life, I'm sure you have maybe a similar story here. Neither of us grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. Neither of us were taught by <clears throat> by our parents how to listen to sermons. Mm-hmm. So sermons were sort of like this brand new thing to me. I mean, for years, I just didn't listen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. I was a high school student. Um, <clears throat> my church was ministering to me in some really great ways. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll never forget that. And I'll never be able to repay that debt. Um, but it wasn't until college where my RUF campus minister sat me down. He knew I wanted to go to seminary. He knew I felt to call to ministry. And he basically said like, yeah, if you, you you can't be a good preacher if you're not a congregant who can listen Mm -hmm. to a sermon and know what that means and know what that's like. And so I wasn't really taught how to do that until I was in college, you know, um, six, eight years after I was converted. So this is an incredibly important topic that obviously we need to continue to refine. uh, Yeah, exactly. And I I think it it might sound weird at first. Like, how do I need to learn how to listen? Can I just sit there and you know, sound waves enter my eardrums, right? Yeah. And then I understand them. And, yeah. uh, and, and yeah, sure, at one level. But there's also the, um, like, like the reality that people aren't listening mm-hmm. and, or they're not listening well. And so there's no retention. There's no mm-hmm. understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, and I'll say this as a very, very fallible preacher, but I will be a better preacher. And Jim, you will be a better preacher in our congregation's ears as they learn to listen better, mm. right? Because, we're not great instruments. We're not. We're not great mediums of like. Yeah. Uh, this is how God. What God chooses to use, He promises to use it. Uh, but but it will only grow better and more fruitful in our listeners' lives as we learn to listen. Yeah, amen. Grow and, in listening. And uh, uh, it's, there's also <clears throat> more substance, more meat on the bone to feedback from people. Uh, uh, as as they're growing and listening to sermons, I also want to grow in my preaching. Uh, we all do, <clears throat> and uh, uh, so that helps them hear things that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have earlier, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there's a lot of practical reasons why uh, why we need to have this conversation. <clears throat> so let's jump into his outline. Yeah. Um, so six ways, again, he says seven, but six ways for us to take care of how we hear the word as it is preached. First, we should expect God to speak. What does that mean? Yeah, all of these have a, a scripture verse that comes with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me read uh, one of the ones with this. It's 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, where Paul writes to the church, and he, he says to the listeners, we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Mm. Um, that's not to say, quick disclaimer in the front end, that's not to say that every preacher, every time they stand up, says everything doctrinally, morally, ethically, exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as is true in God's word. That's mm-hmm. not what we mean. Uh, what we mean that is insofar as the preacher faithfully expounds the scriptures, then we are to receive the word from the preacher's mouth as the very word of God. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a pretty pretty bold statement. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's, that's the theology behind yep. this. 
the app, the, the point for the listener is expecting God to speak. I mean, mm -hmm. imagine all of the encounters that you're going to have this coming week. You're going to watch TV. You're going to have phone calls. You're going to listen to a podcast. Oh, by the way, God's going to speak to you this week. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's sort of mind blowing, right? Yeah. How many of us think that when we go to church? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. God is going to speak to me today. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it, that expectation alone prepares us for an ordinary, but also sort of a radical encounter with our creator. Yeah. Let me get to you. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a reason I think in, in, in particularly the Protestant and particularly the reformed tradition, we put such a premium on the preached word. And it's, it's because I think for two reasons, the first you just mentioned, obviously that <clears throat> insofar as we do faithfully expound the scriptures, that is God speaking. But then notice how that trick like sort of has a trickle out effect into everything else in our worship. Because we believe that, because that's what the scriptures tell us, then we also believe that God is there in corporate worship. And so then that affects our view of the sacrament, right? That God is actually doing something in the sacrament. That affects how uh, uh, I, uh, as, a, as, as a worshiper, confess my faith, confess mm -hmm. my sins, pray yeah. uh, in, in these different ways, right? Uh, throughout the service, through the invocation, the pastoral prayer, uh, and so on. And and this is the one that I think I, I, I've taken on an emphasis in my own life because I think it gets overlooked so often. I also think it changes our view of the benediction, hmm. uh, which is a blessing from the God who is there and sending us hmm. out. So it's not just sort of like a, 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 a quote or a citation from the Bible, though it is usually. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not just, hey, here's a good word, right? Which is what benediction means. It is genuinely and truly God's blessing of his people as they exit his presence. So as they exit this sort of special uh, presence that God has with the corporate church gathered to hear the preached word, uh, they, they have a lasting word yeah. to go with them yeah. out into their daily lives. So, I mean, and we can riff on <clears throat> all manners of, of how all of worship sort of comes around and is filled out by the preached word. And I think, uh, I think it's important to understand that as we get better at listening to sermons, as we get better at listening to the word of God preached, maybe is even the better way to say it, that's going to enliven and enrich in uh, or enrich, excuse me, the rest of our worship uh, 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 corporately gathered yeah. together as well. Yeah. So it's going to have lasting benefits. Exactly. Uh, one of the things I loved about this pamphlet or love about it is he gives very practical steps at the end of each point. Uh, the practical steps of expecting God to speak is to read and to pray ahead of time. Mm. So this seems so simple. Uh, I know that I'm not great at it. Sometimes when I, if I'm visiting or if I'm in the pew and you're preaching, or Wilson, or a guest, then sometimes I will, you know, before the service starts, I'll flip to the passage and read over yeah. it, which which helps a little bit set my mind for the service. But we, we try really hard to um, let the congregation know what we're preaching. Mm -hmm. So we publish in the Salt Shaker, our, our newsletter that comes out every other month, the preaching schedule. Now, right. that changes sometimes, but so people at least know the sequence of passages. We, we send out an email to the whole church, mm -hmm. on usually on Fridays, that tells the preaching passage. Um, we link our bulletins on our website. Right. I almost always, and you almost always, are going to preach next week the next passage. Right. So if you're so confused... Just a, a virtue of, of expository preaching. Right. right. And so I, 
that is, I think that's, that's huge. Uh, and even ask some questions. What do you, what do you know? What do you not mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. What do you wonder about? Yeah. This how, is the reason I ask you those questions. You know, this is a famous passage, yeah. right? <clears throat> this is a famous miracle, a famous parable. People have views of this. <clears throat> and so, you know, as they read these passages ahead of time, uh, uh, they're engaging their ears ahead of time as well mm-hmm. because they're like, ooh, I wonder. And I think this is a good thing, can be yeah. a good thing. I wonder if they're going to say X, Y, or Z. Yeah. I've heard about this before. Yeah. And then they can walk away and say, well, he didn't say that, but he did say, yeah. you know, uh, the insufficient disciples. And I've never focused on the disciples, right. but and I just read it five times, right. and now I'm going to read it differently yeah. going forward. And, yeah. and all of those things play into... Uh, 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 listening well and then really getting to the meat of it, applying the truths yeah. of the preached word to yeah. my life well. Yeah. Right. And it's a simple discipline, right. I think. Um, even you could even, whenever the email comes out on Friday, you can read it. You can be right. pr- praying for the preach. You can say, man, that looks like kind of a thorny passage. Right. Pray for these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you something that will spin back around on this since you're kind of a foodie, Jim. Apparently. You like to eat food, right? I do like to eat food. That's There's correct. two kinds of people in the world that go out to eat at a restaurant. Uh, some just show up and get, grab a menu. Right. Others, man, they got to get online. Yep. That afternoon, a couple days ahead of time. So what you're saying is, is there, you? are, there are not normal people who just show up without okay. any preparation. Okay. And then there are normal people who go out and, and you know, research. T- t- tell me your preparation. You're Mallory <laughs> going out to eat. Oh yeah. I mean, tell me your, in 30 seconds. I don't know Jim's that 30 seconds can really do it justice <laughs> okay. if I'm honest. No. Uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, my preparation is, uh, I actually look up a variety of restaurants, um, and go through various menus before I even pick a place. Yeah. So I, <clears throat> I make sure I know the options of what I could have before I even, uh, go and sit down. Love it. Love uh, it. Uh, and choose a restaurant. Is there a parallel? Unless somebody's willing to go to Zaxby's because that is just the <laughs> pinnacle of good food. <laughs> oh, no. no, seriously. Uh, it, it's sort of a process and it really irritates my wife. So, so, so talk about parallel, preparing for a sermon? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so preparing to hear a sermon. Yes, thank you. Uh, uh, you know, going to the text um, and reading it in a, in a, uh, a similar way, not, not in the way of where am I going to go? Right. <clears throat> Obviously. But Jim's uh, not searching but, five different churches right. every Saturday night. Where am I going to go tomorrow? Right. That's right. <laughs> but, but reading it ahead of time to get excited yeah. about what you're about to feast on. Right. <clears throat> um, you know, uh, when I, when I read a menu and like pick something and go to, I'm like, we're going here and I'm getting this. Like I show up and I don't even look at the menu. I'm like, I've already it. seen it. I don't need it. I'm a pro already. You walk in, the waiter, the waiter's like, you're like a menu. I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm set. She can have one. I'm good. <clears throat> no, seriously, uh, I've done that before. I love it. Because uh, I'm like, I'm I'm set. You know, I've, I've done my due diligence. I've read this. And I'm ready to dive into this thing. Let's go. Like, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. That chicken sandwich looked prime, right? The the I need that that burger with that specific bacon that you got on your, or whatever, right? Yeah. Coming to a text, right, reading the next passage in Matthew, reading the next passage in, in our evenings series, and looking into, okay, I'm excited to hear about, you know, uh, uh, go back to your sermon on, on John the Baptist and Herod, for example. I'm excited to read about the daughter. I'm excited for him to tell me, like, because I don't understand that. Yeah. I've got questions, right? And I'm hopeful that he can answer those. <clears throat> and then you don't answer them. Uh, 
I'm excited to listen to Watering Seeds, right? <laughs> I mean, so, and yeah. I say that, you know, half jokingly, half not, because there's a this trickle-down effect in the oh, ministry, yeah. the, the broader ministry of the church here, kind yeah. of reform. Yeah. Um, so, it, it again, I think it engages the mind to look forward to uh, that thing, because if, if, you know, if you're not looking forward to it, suddenly it can feel more like a chore mm-hmm. than it can, you know, a, a feast. Yeah. That I'm, like, I'm... It's two hours before Madeline and I are leaving. I'm salivating yeah, I love about it. this, love it. you know, piece of meat that I'm about to destroy. Right? Or whatever. <laughs> I do uh, love food, obviously. All anyway, right, we, we, let me ask you a question okay. before we move to this next scene. Go. Again, sort of nuts and bolts. Want to move to the preacher's perspective. That's the hearer's perspective. I, I do want to talk about your perspective so that folks can understand the fullness here. When we think about you and I coming to preach the word, there. There is a heavy, heavy weight on us. True? When we think about preaching Correct. as delivering God's word to his people. But not in the same way exactly as a prophet of the Old Testament. Okay. Right? <clears throat> but preaching is prophetic mm-hmm. in a way. Do you want to talk a little bit about that weight? Talk a little bit about the importance of of preaching in that way and a little bit maybe about the scariness yeah, yeah, of preaching in a way. It's funny. I, I, I very much get anxious about preaching. Mm. It, when I first started, it was almost debilitating and it mm. was, a, it was a public speaking yeah. really fear. And somebody confessed it or shared it with somebody once and, and they sort of said, well, you know, you're, you're afraid of the wrong audience. Mm. Amen. And I was like, Oh man, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so I cut somebody to the heart. Uh, I've definitely that. grown <laughs> in that. Uh, and where my aim in preaching is, is faithfulness because yeah. it's God's word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's helped me really get through definitely preaching hard passages. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps me get through when people aren't paying attention, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. no offense y'all, but some of y'all don't pay attention. Yeah. So, well, um, I struggle to pay attention sometimes yeah, I if too. I don't prepare. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the, the weightiness, um, and, and how it ties into how listeners uh, should be praying for their pastors. Mm. I mean, initially, the, the, during the week, I think the biggest prayer request is that we would understand the mm. text. And we would Amen. understand yeah. with very clear eyes in order that we would clearly explain the text. Yeah. Right? Biggest fear in preaching has, has to be some variation of <clears throat> saying something false. Exactly. Under... Uh, or in the position of the preacher, right? Leading yeah. leading people to some false conclusions. Right. Some, I mean, again, like highest fear, teaching heresy, right. obviously some serious false doctrine from the pulpit yeah. as though it were authoritatively coming from the scriptures. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I was once asked, why, did, why do sermons take so long to write? And I remember I hemmed and hawed like, oh, you know, you should do language, Greek and Hebrew, you should do, you know, Check your work. You got to outline the text. You got to make sure, you know, and then you got to illustrate and apply and blah, blah, blah. Um, And then it wasn't until the end that I really said, oh, yeah. And by the way, you want to make sure that what you're saying is true. Right. Right. And like, that's really what's going on. So the reason I ask that is is to to just hopefully help inform our listeners as we're encouraging them to listen well. I don't want them to think that we're taking for granted, like we speak authoritatively for God. Yeah. And and we're not flipping about that. We're fearful of that. Yeah, yeah. Not and, not terrified of it, such that it's debilitating right. anymore. But we fear God yeah. in that. Task. That's a source of confidence, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I would say the first that's the first big hurdle right. is understanding the text ourselves. That's right. 
And then I, I would say the second big hurdle or challenge in preaching is communicating it. Like mm-hmm. I can understand it and say any number of things about it, but I'm thinking very carefully the words I use, the yeah. structure of my sermon. Yeah. Be, I mean, this is going to sound, this is, I don't mean this to be insulting, but we talk about learning to eat. Parents need to know appropriately how to feed their children. I don't yeah. mean that I'm the parent and the listeners are the children, yeah, I, yeah. but if, if it's my job to get the word to you in ways that is understandable, I need to think very carefully yeah. about what the serving size is, yeah. how quickly it comes, right? How, yeah. What, what, what really needs to be in there? What right. doesn't need to be? Do we really need to know all about yeah. Herod's daughter? Like how many of those details do we need to know about? Mm-hmm. Because there's a, the longer the sermon goes, the better chance that you're going to be tuning out. So like, we're not, we're not saying it doesn't, we're just going to preach. We're just going to understand it and then talk about it. Yeah. Uh, the talking about it is something we try to craft and grow in, in order to make the listener's job easier. Mm-hmm. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the Bible uses this exact same metaphor from milk to meat, mm-hmm. right? In the, <clears throat> particularly in Hebrews, moving on from the elementary doctrines to, to, to bigger things. And so sanctification is a process of, <clears throat> it, it is um, progressive such that, uh, uh, you know, over time you grow. Well, that that's true in personal obedience. It's also true in listening to sermons, like we've mentioned. Um, it's true in understanding doctrine. Right? You need sort of, the, you know, and we do this all the time with kids. So um, I think that's a great <clears throat> way to understand it, right? That you can't stretch your kids to eat, you know, Brussels sprouts uh, when when they're still only wanting chicken nuggets. You, you need to sort of lead them gently up right. into something, right. right? We want to do the same thing in our preaching. But at the same time, we do expect buy-in from the listeners, to want to grow, mm-hmm. right, and and that's that's really what what I hope we do. So let's let's just jump into the second point because I think this this hits immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to step on some toes, mm-hmm. uh, and I think in, in a good way, obviously, um, to to help our listeners recognize, you know, uh, they want they should want to grow. So let's hit point two, which is that we need to admit that God knows better than me, right? Yeah, our scripture our scripture here is Hebrews four twelve. The word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, God's word is authoritative, mm. right? It is intended by your creator to confront you, to challenge you, uh, to expose uh, your sin. Mm-hmm. And it so, is a lamp unto my feet, right? That's right. exposing things around me and in me. Right. And so we don't, we don't, we don't come to a sermon as if it's a Ted talk or a lecture mm. or if it's a, yeah, somebody has a different perspective from me. I'd like to learn from their perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no we come ad- admitting we don't know better. We got to be smarter than the preacher. A lot of y'all are smarter than the preacher. But we Amen. come admitting God knows better. Right. Uh, and God this is... This is not an exercise. It's not just an exercise of curiosity. Right. Yeah. Right. And we we should expect to be uncomfortable. Uh, mm. I've heard, you know, good... Uh, football coaches describe this way. You, once you get comfortable, that's when your atrophy starts to happen. You don't challenge yourself. You don't grow. Your your program falls apart. I, I think there's a phrase they use. We should be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? We should expect the church, the the ser- the word in the sermon uh, to challenge us. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, there's one of two things happening. It could be unfaithful preaching. Could be. Or it could be unfaithful listening. Yeah. And the only way to know the difference between those two is 
by listening. <laughs> right? Yeah, we're going to get to that <laughs> at another yeah, point later on. Um, yeah. But uh, you've heard the story. This is sort of famous story. I feel like in our circles, there was a, a preacher. Um, I, I don't remember who, and I'm not going to guess. Uh, but he preached a sermon on sin. Always sort of terrifying from the perspective of a preacher, right? I feel like. Um, and he had a congregant come up to him after the sermon and sort of hold up her, her thumb and an index finger about like an inch. And she said, you made me feel this big. And you know, you remember his response? Do you know the no. story? His response was, that's too big. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's way too big. Uh, and his point was, <clears throat> a holy God takes sin far more seriously than you do. Um, and, and really not just you, but all of us. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it simultaneously... Uh, uh, two things are happening there. First, I, I think he's having a, 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 a real moment of pastoral sensitivity. A woman is coming to him, vulnerably telling him, you know, your preaching made me feel this way. And he immediately says with pastoral sensitivity, it's not me. It's the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing is, and this is this is what I hope a lot of people can understand through our nuts and bolts conversations throughout the, in this podcast is I, I remember reading a book on preaching in seminary, and he made this really interesting point. He said, uh, never forget uh, that you will spend hours and hours and hours of the text convicting you as a preacher, and almost nobody in the, your congregation will realize that. Hmm. And so in that moment, I think that pastor was also letting her know, and I feel, I, I know what you're feeling. Yeah, that's what I've said to people before. They, they say, Wow, Pastor, that sermon was convicting. And I say, imagine sitting on it all week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, imagine uh, having that preached to me yeah. all week. So uh, our And praise God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our hearts the whole week, because that prevents an arrogance, I think, in the pulpit. Um, yeah. So we, as preachers, sit under this authority, but uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, the congregants, all of us, sit under the authority of the Word. So pre- in preaching, you and I can't go outside the bounds of the text. And in listening, if there is genuine spirit-wrought conviction, uh, we need to submit ourselves and obey the word mm-hmm. uh, as it's delivered mm-hmm. uh, to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> quick question about this. What about texts that are confusing? Um, texts that, that uh, uh, talk to us about the authority of uh, the word when we don't really understand what's going on. And by we, I mean us. I mean, just yeah. recently I preached on David's census. Right. I was I just told, thinking that. Yeah, I just told people, I, this is a really hard passage to understand what's going on. But you did something really good in that sermon because you said, here's what we don't understand, but here is what we can understand from mm-hmm. this. You didn't leave us in the dark. You weren't just like, well, I guess, who knows? Yeah. You you let us know what we could understand. And so uh, I, I think the, I know the Bible is clear enough that we, to teach us to know what we should know. Mm-hmm. Um isn't it all Apostle we Peter that found the Apostle Paul confusing? Yeah, that's right. right. That's exactly right. So if he found a Paul uh, confusing, we're in good company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say, so there's a, there's a type of listening and reading the scripture that's just wants to know more facts. Mm-hmm. And the questions are, oh, what about this little thing? Or what about this contrast and translations? And it's just, I hear that, man, I'm going to step on some toes. And the first thing I think of is you've got a mask on mm. and you're not allowing the word to penetrate your heart. Mm. And you're, it seems like a surface level interest in the word, mm. 
Um, but you're not treating the word like it's sharp at all. Yeah. It's just like a sword that's hanging up on the mantle and you want to talk yeah. about what metal it's made out of. Yeah. And no, God it's forbid, supposed to pierce your heart. Yeah. Amen. So but I think the practical step here, or one of the practical steps he mentions is to consider what parts of the sermons challenged you. Mm-hmm. Right? Did it challenge your theology and your mm-hmm. beliefs? Did it challenge your, your morality and your ethics? Did it challenge something about your lifestyle? Um, we have experienced, you and I, Jim, as a result of our teaching or preaching, uh, people that come away initially very defensive mm-hmm. because we've stepped on their toes. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the word convicts people that I don't think need to be convicted. Right. Yeah. And so I want people to be thinking, yeah, yeah. that doesn't exactly fit me. Or maybe the pastor got too personal in this issue. Yeah. Maybe I wasn't as clear as the text was. But I, but I, need, to, I need to say this very clearly. If your first response to preaching that convicts you is to defend yourself, your belief, your lifestyle, your past actions, whatever it is, if that's your initial reaction, then you are not listening. Yeah. It, it may be your considered reaction after prayer and conversation. I'd love it if someone came to me and said, I found this convicting and I think you stepped on my toes here, but I don't think I deserved it. And I might say, yeah, yeah you're actually right in your unique circumstance. Mm-hmm. Don't get encouraged. Don't, don't mm-hmm. get defeated by this. Yeah. Be encouraged. Yeah. I mean, we, um, by the nature of, of preaching, it is a general practice, right? We're, we deal in generalities, um, though we can get very, very specific sometimes. And I feel like the, the way that that's played out in my ministry thus far, the, the most often, is people hearing a, a, a general command of the Bible or a, a general application that I gave or something like that. And their response is, uh, you know, well, you preached on this text um, uh, on marriage and I'm not married. Okay, great. Are there any general principles that I talked about that you could apply? You know, are you searching for a spouse? Are you not? Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're a widow or a widower. Um, I could have done better. Yeah. Okay. I could have done it better in my sermon to, to mention you, to mention, you know, these other types of categories of people. So that's helped me, but, but really the most helpful way I feel like it helps the preacher <clears throat> is also the best way it helps the listener listen well. And that is, I think the initial reaction needs to be asking questions, right? I feel like most of the time uh, when I am writing a sermon, I find most of my success in understanding a passage when I ask questions of it. Uh, even just in prayer, Lord, why did why did you say this in Matthew whatever, right? Why, why did you react that way to people? Um, <clears throat> and, and not just, again, sort of give me the facts, why, you know, but mm-hmm. why so I can tell the people why? And then show them why that matters in their life, right? And I think the listener is the same way. Hey, pastor, why did you mention that thing? Why did you um, do that? That stepped on my toes. Am I wrong to feel that way, mm-hmm. right? And and that just helps everybody, the preacher and the listener, approach God's word with humility um, and with a genuine curiosity and teachability. Um, and and that's that's viewing the word of God authoritatively. Yeah, I think that's good. All right, we got to keep moving. Uh, otherwise, this is going to turn into a podcast series. Yeah. Um, so point three is to check that the preacher says what the passage says. Yeah, you. This is huge. Everybody, so talk can, to us about this. Yeah, everybody can guess where I'm going with this scripture reference. Yeah. Uh, Acts 17, right, mm-hmm. 10, 11. Uh, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. I just quoted Thessalonians as receiving the word of God yeah. from man. 
because Paul says, or sorry, Luke records, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things uh, were so, so that the people of God hear the word of God. And it, it in this case, it's new, right? It's somewhat mm-hmm. novel. Yeah. Uh, and what do they do? They, they sort of double check everything that the apostles have said yep. uh, with uh, the with the word. I don't know if you've heard this before, but I made a joke at a congregational meeting recently about uh, there was lots of clapping. You remember this? Yes. Uh, which was wonderful. It was a show of Thanksgiving mm-hmm. uh, and and Honoring what the Lord had done. Service. Yeah, right. And we we don't right. uh, we um, I can't remember a time we've clapped in during a worship service, which yeah. I would support. But anyway, that's somebody has said once, Presbyterian clapping is the the ruffling of pages. Oh, as they turn the page to, to follow along with the preacher. Mm. Um, I would also maybe add to that the crying of babies who Amen. we have baptized in the Amen. Presbyterian Church. Uh, but anyway, the, the point here is that, and this is a wonderful point, uh, that we should be, as engaged listeners, checking that the preacher says what the passage says. Mm-hmm. Here, We complain all the time about churches that go progressive, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it is a general pattern, theologically progressive. It's a general pattern that the pulpit moves progressive before the pew does. Mm-hmm. It's we, we could say it's the academic institution. Not always the Not case, always. but the vast majority of the time, that's the pattern. What I mean by that is in, a preacher, pastor, leads the congregation away from orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. And that fits the scriptures, right? <clears throat> that the, the temptation uh, is it goes for the, the those... Uh, who lead, yeah. right? It goes for, for, for those who have uh, the influence on others. And right. so if uh, God's enemies can get to the preacher, they can get to the pew, right? <clears throat> and so but if that, they, that just follows Satan's playbook. Yes. Yeah. And so my frustration is almost always with the preacher because mm. the shepherd bears the responsibility. Right. However, the sheep bear some responsibility as mm-hmm. well. And my mm-hmm. thought is always, why are people still there? Yeah. How, how are they still listening? Like, yeah. This, this guy, this gal's been there for a decade leading people away from the work, and they're just following? Mm-hmm. Like, where are the Bereans? Yeah. Um, so that's the negative example. I, I I trust the Lord to keep me and you on the orthodox path in our preaching. It's not something I'm necessarily concerned mm-hmm. about. However, I still think every member should be doing what the Bereans do, not mm-hmm. just to hold us accountable, but to help them grow, yeah. to help the, a full-orbed understanding uh, of God's Word. And under this point... Uh, Ash, the author, uh, emphasizes the idea that uh, listening to sermons takes active involvement, mm-hmm. right? Um, we want you to have your Bibles. Mm-hmm. We have pew Bibles if you don't. Uh, I knew a church take once them home. that took out the pew Bibles to encourage people to bring their own Bibles, which I thought was a weird passive-aggressive way to yeah. do it, right? Yeah. Uh, no, bring your phone, bring your device, whatever. But it's it's so helpful for you uh, to have the Word. and That's actually one of his practical steps. Bring the Bible along and follow along mm-hmm. in your Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't always have to turn to all the cross references. Right. I know people do, some people don't know their Bibles well enough yeah. to quickly turn, and that's fine. Yeah. But active engagement uh, and simple practical step bring your Bible, follow yeah. along. Amen. And <clears throat> let me, let me, I want to sort of take this a step deeper uh, than, than uh, Ash. And this is just shows me personally. Okay. So I'm just talking about me here. And, and maybe we can have a, a brief conversation about <clears throat> different types of people and how listening isn't the same to everybody. But when you preach <clears throat> and I'm listening, when anybody preaches and I'm listening, I read the passage when they read it. 
And then I put my thumb there and I close it. And Hmm. that's not because I'm not following along, but particularly, for example, in Old Testament narrative. It's like uh, uh, recently you were preaching 2 Samuel um, as we wrapped up that series. And uh, particularly in Old Testament narrative, my temptation is to keep reading. And so I have found it helpful. Thumb in, Bible closed, ears open. Again, just me, right? Because uh, I know other people who need the Bible open to listen, so that's fine. Um, but I can get distracted. And so I, I've learned, okay, shut it. And then preacher says, and look again with me at verse 16. Mm-hmm. My thumb's right there. Yeah, Bible's great. back open. Wham, looking at 16. Yeah, great. Um, uh, and then sometimes I know that if I'm too tempted to just keep reading, right, I'm going to close my eyes when the preacher is reading scripture hmm. um, or referencing it again. So that I know I'm listening intently to them. Mm-hmm. I don't di- always pull those off. These right? are different methods you have right. to actively listen as right. Bereans do. That's right. right. Um, and so uh, that brings me to um, uh, uh, note-taking. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about note-taking yeah, at some point. I know a guy who brings uh, his iPad, Apple Pencil, into the pulpit. I hear Covenant Reform. But he brings it in every week, takes notes. Wait, into the pulpit? Sorry, not into the pulpit. Oh. Uh, he's a congregant. He's got a it, church member. Um, <clears throat> so he's taking notes about the sermon. Uh, he's got like this extensive thing, and he, he uses those throughout the week. Wonderful, right? I've tried that. Does not work for me, right? Doesn't work for me. I know some people who take notes, some people who don't. Any general advice? Yeah, my general them? advice is do what works for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, we, and experiment a little bit. I would experiment. Yeah. I, I mean, I lean towards notes. Okay. I don't have a folder system. Uh, I my, have noticed the McCann family every yeah. now and then I'll say something, the whole family head turns down, they all start writing. Part notes. of this is because my wife is an excellent note taker. Okay. She's religious on it. I mean, it's the note, you know, it's, it's date, sermon title, preacher's name, boom, boom, boom. I mean, she's, but ever since I've known her, mm-hmm. 20 years, she's been doing that. And mm-hmm. we actually didn't um, require our kids to do that. They just uh, picked it up? Yeah. I mean, during sermons, they, they, they can't be doing anything else but have, a paper or notebook in front of them and have a pen in their hand. Mm. Uh, sometimes uh, when they were younger, Lindsay would, would say, uh, you know, pick out every count, every time the pastor says Jesus. Mm. And so they got little tick marks. Yeah, right? I've heard they're, these... they're learning to listen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, they've grown into it. Uh, I think because it's been modeled by my wife, I usually just am jotting notes in the bulletin. It just helps me remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when the kids were younger, not, yeah, I, distinctly remember this experience of reading a book to them, just a, just a novel. And they were just playing and I was getting so frustrated. They weren't listening. And so I would just stop all of a sudden and say, what just happened? And they'd get it exactly right. I'm like, shoot. And then we go back and, <laughs> and they're, you know, they're building with Legos, right? They're quiet. And that, I was like, they're not listening to me that. What did, what? So, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, I know people that doodle. Yeah. Right. Um, sometimes that can be two things that can yeah. be a distraction or not. I, I think I also know people who take notes immediately throw them away. Yeah. Uh, and, and for them that the, just the, the process of listening, writing and consuming in that moment, right? Like I'm getting this information. I'm being fed. This is incredible. I don't need these notes. They were to ensure and, and they could then recite a lot of the sermon. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, uh, I, I definitely agree. Uh, uh, find something that works for you. It doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. 
everybody's mind is a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just even uh, 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 consider it in just other areas of daily life, right? I mean, you and I are we work differently. Yeah, right. Of we're we're productive in different ways. We're productive at different time of days, right? Uh, you're a morning guy. A lot of my writing, uh, my sermons happens in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. That's when I feel the most, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 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 productive the in my juice. head, right? Got to have food for it. No. Um, so uh, really tempting me today. So, <laughs> so yeah, I just, I, I wanted to say a word on note taking. Um, that's a great, that's a great uh, question. Uh, just, just to drop that in and encourage folks. Um, I, so glad to hear you take notes. I personally don't um, because I found note taking to me to be distracting. Um, again, this is just a me thing. I'm not discouraging people from taking notes, uh, find out, but it, it took me a while to find out that, that I, when I take notes, I'm sort of obsessed about getting everything, yeah. every detail yeah. doesn't work for sermons. Don't yeah. do that for sermons. Cause I find myself three or four sentences behind constantly, Yeah, yeah. you know, and then I'm missing something. Sure. So I just personally, that's not how I roll. That's yeah. not how it works for me. Um, <clears throat> what works for me is, uh, sort of constantly moving in the pew. So I'll cross my legs, uncross my legs, because if I'm just sort of sitting there, I, I sort of space out. Somebody told me you know? they sat behind you recently and you're a nodder. I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except right. if I compliment you, then you're a shaker. That's correct. That's what I heard. Yes. Okay. We, we still have to have words about that. Hey, let's, <laughs> let's talk about another application point. You're a Berean. You're paying attention. You're taking notes. You're flipping pages. You're, you're actively involved. And something the pastor said doesn't line up. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Good question. So this, uh, uh, I want to say that's when um, we can branch off into two directions, right? There are positive and negative approaches at this point, right? <clears throat> uh, I'm going to start with the negative so we end on a positive right. note, right? Uh, negative uh, uh, ways to respond. Stand up, walk out, <laughs> right? Like I've seen it done. <clears throat> I know people are tempted to do it. Um, but uh, standing- Is there ever... A time to walk out. That's where I'm headed, right? Okay. I was going to ask you that question, but since you, I mean, I'll punt to you first. Okay. Okay. Because I do want to ask that. Generally, I'm just going to say this. Generally, try to avoid. However, are there times? I mean, not at my sermon. (laughs) Never Uh, at Covenant I have walked out of a church before. Never Covenant Yeah, me too. Uh, It wasn't during the sermon. It was afterwards. It It was the prayer between the sermon and the table. And I was like, there's no way we're taking communion here after what was just been said. Um, it, that sermon, it was what was, what's a very much issue with was how the preacher was. Well, I'll just tell you what it was. We went, it was, um, remember Hurricane Katrina? Mm-hmm. We were on vacation uh, in North Carolina mountains around here. And we just found a church a couple days later. And the pastor gets up and he just hymns, and, sorry, he did not hymn in the hall. He said, my point today is to tell you that God is not in control of that storm. God did not do that. Oh, no. And he, he said, I don't care if you disagree with me. I have the microphone. Oh, So I, I probably should have no, left at that point. This is not a PCA church. Okay. I mean, I was livid. I was in seminary still at the time. Uh, and as I'm even telling it now, it feels like maybe I should have left when, at, at that beginning. Yeah. It didn't get worse. It definitely didn't get better. Uh, I sort of, sort of tuned out the rest of the way. So... We left. We were on vacation. Yeah. I guess I could have hung out and let him have it afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't that's know. my but next I, negative. But I'm trying so to think. Okay, yeah. we're going down a weird path here because yeah. I wouldn't encourage our members to walk out. Yeah. I mean, if if it's blatant heresy at this point in my life, I think I'm getting out. I think my family's yeah. with me. We're making a scene. Yeah. So 
anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> so let's talk about that real quick. Another uh, another negative response <clears throat> could be to say something immediately to the preacher after the sermon. Yeah. So that, here at Covenant Reformed, typically there's sort of this processional almost, right, <laughs> of, of folks leaving, and we try and meet people, greet people, you know, encourage them on their way out um, uh, from our service. And so as we do that and as we, you know, invest in, in not just preachers, but also uh, uh, the entire church invests in each other, um, uh, I, I have personally experienced moments where it's just immediate. I got to tell the preacher, I got to tell him right then. Generally, not a great place to do that. And I think for a couple of reasons, but I want to ask you for any of your reasons well, why you may not encourage folks. Yeah, I mean, number one, it's never good to speak impulsively like that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a general yeah. proverb of life. Yeah. Especially if you're going to say something harsh, sit on it. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that's about the worst time of my week for my receptiveness yep. to a comment like that. So Honestly, when we, people tell me things on Sunday after church, I say, I'm not going to remember this. Yeah. As, as we in our preaching want to take the reception, uh, re- receptivity, I don't yeah. know if that's a word, but the receptivity of the, of, of the listener, we try and we think about that constantly. How are they going to receive this? Can I say this in a different way that's more effective? You know, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I don't think it's too much for preachers to ask for a, a little consideration in that way too. Right. Um, exactly. Uh, the other way around. Think how you communicate. And right. Mostly, I don't think people are going to confront me with heresy, right. but they can confront me with some serious stuff I've said wrong. And just remember that I'm a human. I sure. want to hear it. I want to yeah. grow from it. Um. If you're bearing bad news to someone, you should think carefully yeah. about how you're gonna how you're gonna do that. And I'm if you're sorry. gonna confront someone, you need to think about how. It's, I I welcome being confronted. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Um. But I'm a sinful person. You've experienced this, Jim. Sometimes I don't always receive uh, criticism or helpful criticism the best. And I think we should need to love each other and consider how we're gonna talk to one another. Yeah. We do this in our marriages. We do it as parents. Yeah. So. Yeah. So <clears throat> before we go any further, worth saying that again, both of us. And we believe godly preachers ought to be receptive to hearing that. What we're talking right now about is timing of that. But I also want to talk, <clears throat> so so we welcome you. If you're listening to this podcast and you got question marks about what we just said, come talk to us. Absolutely. Because we welcome that. Absolutely. Um, but uh, uh, right then after Sunday morning service or right after Sunday evening service, is not our most productive time to have that conversation. Yeah, we're not going we to be love very to good talk listeners. To you about it, right, right. We would love to talk to you about it over a cup of coffee, over lunch, or something like that throughout the week. Um, so we're not putting you off. We just want to make sure that we can answer your questions. But that gets me to one of my reasons that I don't think immediately right after the service is a great time, and that is because uh, you haven't quite let the words settle. Yeah, it's good. Right? It's still stirred up in your heart. And you haven't quite fully considered. So I'm, I'll never forget. I preached a sermon in Hebrews, and I was trying to make the point, uh, you know, in Hebrews when it says uh, 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 he was made perfect through suffering. I made the point that really it's an issue of the English language, um, because there is a difference in our understanding between, hey, I'm perfect, and I am perfecting something. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I tried to make that point. And maybe I didn't make it as clearly, but immediately after the sermon, someone comes up to me and says, yeah, that just didn't work. And I didn't then, I waited on a couple of days, and I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit used me to do that. But a couple of days later, I, I called that person and said, hey, you made that comment after the sermon. 
I just, I'm curious, have you thought about it anymore? And he said, no. And I was like, okay, well, I have. Obviously. Can we talk about it? And he said, sure. And I said, you know, hey, uh, I wonder, is it possible that it did work for other people in the room? Um, and it just didn't click for you in that moment. And so that as we talk about it, uh, he realizes, um, uh, yeah, maybe I should have thought about this a little more. Instead of, I heard it, I didn't really like it, and so I checked out, right? Not great. Not great. But the other thing is, <clears throat> you're again, we're, preaching is necessarily going to step on toes. It's necessarily going to be offensive. Not, Lord willing, not because of me, not because of you, not because of the preacher, but because God is saying things to a rebellious people that we just don't like, mm-hmm. right? And s- sometimes that just needs to sit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it needs to settle for mm-hmm. a bit. Um, let's get to the positive. Let's end on the positive yep. note. Uh, the positive here and i'm going to steal this right from the bereans right yeah is that they were eager yeah to hear they were eager to hear it and then they were eager to go to the scriptures not out of a a, a spirit of suspicion but out of a spirit of excitement of being discipled and taught from the scriptures to be delivered to be given christ preached right and that's the ultimate goal of, of preaching is to preach him and him crucified to deliver the living breathing savior jesus so that's my big positive is that that it's not a spirit of suspicion but of eagerness for christ mm-hmm. that you go to the scriptures and you examine these things mm-hmm. yeah i think that's good i mean i don't expect all of our members to have the same theology right right and so some of it is a simple theological disagreement some of it sure. is an exegetical disagreement i mean yeah. we have Tons of Matthew commentaries on our shelves that disagree with each other, right. written by godly men and women. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of recognizing what the potential conflict mm-hmm. and or issue might that's be, right. and what level of seriousness right. it is. Right. Um, so yeah, but I, I think your eagerness is, is a good point. It says here they examine the scriptures daily to yeah. see if these things are true. Like yeah, I mean if you're not responding right after a sermon, you're not examining daily. I mean, what a wonderful opportunity of growth. For you and for me to examine daily. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. All right. Hey, <clears throat> I'm just going to make an executive decision here. Uh, we got to do a part two. We this is so much stuff. Uh, we're not we're not even. Uh, I think we're exactly halfway through our points. So we're we're going to release a part two on this. Um, we appreciate <clears throat> our listeners. Uh, uh, that's not exactly how we planned it, but I appreciate this conversation. I think it's been very fruitful. Uh, for nothing else, I've been edified by it, so I appreciate it. Right, I appreciate good. you saying that, um, saying these things. So uh, this is bonus episode part one. There's just more to look forward Love to. Love it. And I, I hope others can look forward good to call. it. Good so, call. Uh, we will uh, pick up points four through six uh, in another bonus episode uh, to be released uh, alongside. So, sir, thank you for this. Thank you for uh, your intentionality in preparing your sermons, but also in considering the hearer and considering how you can best uh, serve them. That's a a great model to me and I know to Wilson as well. So thank you, sir. And uh, we'll see you here in a second. Yeah, thanks, friend.